Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with The Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making other people healthier in this world. Really excited today to have Dan Nigren on the show. Dan is the Senior VP and Chief Information Officer at Boston Children's Hospital. We're going to talk a little bit about IT, strategic disruption in the area of IT, maybe touch upon some genomics, maybe touch upon some precision medicine, but most importantly, I'm not going to steal his thunder. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Anthony. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for making time. These are always fun to do. Really enthused to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about you, but tell us about your background. Take us back, transport us to, you know, where it all started and maybe, you know, take us through the series of events that have led you to where you're at today. Sure. I'm happy to. So uh, I'm a guy who probably knew for a long time that he was headed into healthcare. Um, one of the things that my title doesn't necessarily reflect is that I'm a clinician as well. I'm a pediatric endocrinologist. And um, I do still see uh, patients, although for a pretty small fraction of my time um, these days, but uh, it's something that I had been focused on for a long time, and um, and that's how I really got started. So I, I uh, did all my cursory um, uh, you know, training ahead of medical school and then went through that. Um, I was into things, uh, technology at that time, but it was really just a hobby. I was uh, around in the days where personal computing was just beginning, you know, the old Radio Shack, TRS-80 computers and things like that. Right. And um, I got exposed to those in, in high school and, and college and was interested in them and, and kind of dabbled in them as a hobby for a long time, but didn't think that it was going to be my career. So I, I went all the way through med school and, and did my peds residency and uh, ended up coming to Boston for my pediatric endocrinology fellowship. And it was at that time that I kind of realized that, you know what, this latent uh, historical interest that I had in computers was something that I really wished I could somehow figure out a way to merge with my interest in medicine. And that was when I sort of became aware of this whole burgeoning field at the time. This is uh, the mid-90s or so, uh, which was medical informatics and clinical informatics. And so uh, I ended up doing a dual fellowship rather than just a single one. I did a peds endocrine fellowship, but also did a formal uh, fellowship in medical informatics. And uh, when I finished both of those, I stayed on staff here at Boston Children's uh, as primarily a pediatric endocrinologist, but uh, with a research focus in medical informatics. And so I started down that path, you know, writing grants and, and things like that, uh, doing research, writing publications. And what happened next was kind of interesting. It, it was, uh, at this point, it was now early 2000s. And I found myself getting more and more frustrated at the state of the information systems that we had available to us um, in the clinical trenches, so to speak. And I had just been through this fellowship where I read about all these wonderful new technologies that um, we should be availing ourselves of and, and utilizing. And so long story short, I, I made myself a bit of a pest um, to the technology leadership of our organization and started asking lots of questions and, and you know, pushing for, uh, for new technologies and approaches. And so, as always happens, uh, when you complain enough about something, you, you end up getting assigned the task to go fix it. 
Um, so I, I took on a role that was created at the time, which was called the Director of Clinical Computing. Um, in essence, I was, uh, since I was, you know, um, um, I could speak both languages, if you will, both the uh, clinical uh, vernacular as well as IT speak. Uh, I was meant to be the interpreter between those two groups, trying to convey the needs of the clinicians back to the IT staff. Um, essentially, nowadays, what you would call a CMIO position. Right. Um, back then, these were just beginning. It was not a commonly used title. Um, but in essence, that's uh, how I started out. Uh, what happened next is interesting, probably a bit of right place, right time kinds mm-hmm. of uh, story. Uh, the existing CIO took a position at another organization, and uh, I was asked to step in first as interim CIO. Um, I must have not botched things up too badly over the course of the next several months and uh, eventually uh, took on the the permanent CIO position. So this was back in in 2001. I've been at this at at, uh, Boston Children's for quite a while now, uh, on my 18th year. I love it. In a nutshell. I love it. Yeah, no, this is is great. Yeah, no, you really combine an interesting set of disciplines that really, the combination of them unlock a tremendous amount of value and leadership and thought leadership in this area, endocrinology, pediatrics, informatics, um, and, you know, leadership and a, and a few others. And so it's really exciting, you know, the culmination, uh, you're rare, right? And so that's really, really exciting for, you know, what's going on right now in healthcare, which I think you and I agree, you know, in the field of IT, you know, alone, you know, it's, it's, it's really exciting, the possibilities that are being unlocked right now. Dan, tell us a little bit about maybe one or two topics Uh, or one or two fields in healthcare uh, that you're seeing right now that you're very enthused about, that you're very excited about, you're very passionate about. Love to hear a little bit more. Sure. Well, you know, just um, uh, going along with what I just said about my my, uh, tenure, you know, in those 18 years that I've been at this, I have to say that I'm probably most excited now um, than I've been during that entire time. I mean, clearly in in the early to mid to late 2000, most um, most organizations were were hard at work at implementing, you know, their IT systems. You know, going from paper to a digital uh, infrastructure and and transforming their organizations to to accommodate those changes. And that was for sure exciting, for sure disruptive. But what I see now is um, really being able to capitalize on that transition that we went through. We've now got a digital infrastructure. Um, and it's not perfect. We all know that it's not perfect. But mm-hmm. having that uh, that infrastructure now enables us to begin to use IT in much more innovative and productive ways. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some really important um, developments that have occurred in the industry recently within the last several years that are going to enable that to occur even more quickly than what we've seen uh, leading up till now. Uh, specifically, what I'm referring to is the development of of APIs and mm-hmm. uh, and the, the standardization of those APIs and the promulgation of them uh, in this country with with HL7 and its support of that uh, the 21st Century Cures Act that we recently saw and its support um, and essentially mandating the the use of those APIs to expose data those things are hugely important because what it represents to me is essentially the unlocking of the clinical data mm-hmm. that we've had stored in what I like to refer to is our monolithic uh, EHR systems that we, mm-hmm. you know, almost all of us are still using these days. 
Um, and I don't think uh, I'm not a subscriber to this uh, notion of of EHR uh, vendors uh, doing any sort of information blocking. I don't think any of this stuff was willful. But for better or worse, the information was essentially pretty locked into these systems. And so with these APIs now and, and the exposure of data in this way, we, we allow that data to be consumed by third parties. And third parties could be niche vendors, they could be startups uh, coming out of a garage, they could be mega players, you know, they could be Apple uh, exposing your own data to you on your iPhone. And any of, and all of those are now possible and, and being encouraged. And I, I see that as incredibly exciting. And what I think is gonna lead to us having an explosion of innovation occurring within healthcare IT over the course of the next, you know, five, 10, 20 years. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and that's, you know, incredibly exciting for me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here living it and, uh, and, and seeing the transitions that are happening before my eyes. I love it. Yeah, no, it's it's super powerful. You know, it's almost like, you know, APIs and maybe it'd be great if you for our listeners out there, you know, obviously, we have a lot of healthcare executives that listen to this show. Um, but maybe, um, you know, if, if if someone's a novice to APIs, what an API is, maybe uh, an illustration or an example, you know, I always say like APIs are kind of like uh, Legos for an, an IT person, right? Or or it's like uh, I, my favorite toy when I was growing up was Voltron, right? These little robotic <laughs> lines that form Voltron. And obviously with APIs, you combine these different data sources and these different um, data streams and data services. You can, you can really unlock a lot of value like you're mentioning. Maybe you can have a, a, a little bit more of a deeper example. Um, you know, obviously your EHR, right? Epic Cerner is like the base. And now those systems, you can connect a lot of different other APIs. But uh, maybe just a quick illustration on on how how it could work you know sure absolutely so first of all api is an acronym for application programming interface and essentially this is a a, a set of technologies that most modern uh, computer applications now utilize uh, especially those that need to access and and store data mm -hmm. um, and essentially uh, uh, let me let me paint a picture of uh, an old style application. So say I dreamt up a new application, I'm a startup developer, and that healthcare application needed to access um, laboratory data for, for the patient in question. Um, historically, what that would have meant is writing an interface uh, from my application to the source data application, the data where that lab study uh, is reported. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a complicated thing to do. Um, it requires a knowledge of the underlying system where the data is stored. It requires knowing the terminologies that are used. Um, it requires a certain type of, of electronic connectivity to that source system. It's complicated is the bottom line. And that's what's made it uh, historically difficult for new entrants who wanted to, to develop new applications. What an API allows you to do is, um, in essence, that API um, publishes a series of, of data requests, if you will, that you can, that you can call. So uh, there might be an API that, for example, represents being able to request all of a patient's lab studies or just certain types of lab studies in a, in a particular category. So I, as a startup developer, 
don't need to know any of the complexities of the underlying source system that I want to query for that data. Mm -hmm. All I need to do is to look up in the API, how does one go and fetch labs from the underlying system? And it's pretty clear. There's a function calls that says get labs. And it literally could be one line of computer code. And with that one line of code, all of that complexity that I needed to go through in the past to get at that data is eliminated. So it, it takes a lot of the, um, the, the difficult work uh, out of connecting uh, and consuming data away. And uh, also the fact that these are the tools that are now being used in every other um, vertical environment within, um, within the IT space is uh, of benefit too, because the developers out there um, know how to use these tools. They're very familiar with how to write applications that consume APIs. And so all of those things make for a much richer development environment now where, uh, where we, we can expect to see a lot of new entrants and uh, new exciting applications. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, it's super powerful. It's a super exciting time, you know, for information technology, for APIs, the connectivity, and so I appreciate um, you providing that overview for our listeners. And uh, um, obviously, Dan, there's a lot of interesting other new innovations popping up, you know, currently and, and you know, the convergence of IT with new innovative fields of like genomics, there's precision medicine, AI, machine learning, right? A, a little bit of a hype cycle with AI and machine learning, but I think you and I would agree that um, these will fundamentally enable healthcare professionals and, and you know, in the future, there's, there's voice technology, and um, but maybe you can tell us a little bit more about some of the other areas you're passionate about that are paving the way for an interesting future in healthcare. Yeah, uh, Anthony, I, I completely agree with all of the ones that you said, and I do think those are, are you know, in many ways, the, the future and what's coming. You know, genomics and precision medicine, clearly that's another set of terms that, that we've heard a lot about and that there's a lot of hype around but I think deservedly so. We're still in the very earliest days of seeing the, the fruits of, of those technologies coming. Um, but I absolutely think that being able to tailor our therapies, our medications, um, our treatment approaches for a patient based on their, their genetic basis is going to be absolutely critical. And we're starting to see more and more um, um, bits of evidence, you know, even my own my own world in pediatric endocrinology, um, knowing the genetic basis for a patient's particular disorder, uh, absolutely influences how I take care of that patient. So I think we're going to see more and more there. Um, you mentioned a AI and machine learning, uh, clearly very buzzworthy terms. Um, but again, I think you know, as we're seeing in the consumer space, these are technologies that are starting to to really make a difference. You know, they're behind all of the technologies that we uh, utilize in our phones every day. And there's been a, a, a much broader penetrance of them into, uh, into other industries. And I think healthcare won't be immune from that. So we're already, for example, starting to use machine learning tools and, and, um, and AI to help with things around decision support for clinicians, you know, uh, alerting the clinic uh, the clinical staff of, of pending sepsis for a patient and uh, being able to alert uh, that provider 
you know, hours earlier than they might have otherwise uh, been able to detect it on their own, that this patient needs to be attended to, antibiotics started, et cetera. So I think we're going to see more and more real examples along those lines. Mm-hmm. And finally, the last that you mentioned around voice uh, and voice recognition, gosh, you know, um, uh, Siri, hey Google, Alexa, you know, all of these things are going to play a bigger and bigger role in our personal lives at home and in every other aspect of, of our world around us. And to think that healthcare is gonna be left out is a mistake. I absolutely think that we'll see more and more voice recognition tools within healthcare, whether or not they're, pay, they're uh, meant uh, to be clinician facing. So uh, at this past HIMSS, I saw many instances of really um, super exciting tools that would uh, help with clinical documentation Uh, passive listening by these uh, voice recognition tools and helping to craft a a clinical document, but even ones that are, that are patient facing. So um, tools that might be deployed within a, a, an inpatient hospital room that allow a patient to, to use their voice to get help from a nurse or to turn the the temperature up in their, in their um, patient room or to request some food, you know, any of these kinds of things that we've got essentially old school technologies um, um, deployed now that we really could uh, get into the 21st century by starting to, to tap into these uh, new capabilities. So I think all of that is really exciting to me. And in general, I see the future as being one in which the technology starts to become more invisible, essentially. And that's that's a goal. Right now, I think the burden that we face within healthcare and, and things like clinician burnout and phrases like that um, to some degree are because the technology is, is not quite where it needs to be and it's, it's still a bit of a burden. I, I envision a future where that technology becomes, um, it fades away into the background and is incredibly useful to the providers and, and to patients, but um, is, is running more invisibly and seamlessly. Uh, efficiency and things like that. So that's the future that I, that I see ahead of us. I don't think this is, you know, uh, half a century away. I do think these things are coming fast and furious. So you don't Absolutely. need to look too far forward to, to envision how these, uh, these things are going to impact us pretty soon. Absolutely. Absolutely, Dan. No, this is powerful. I really appreciate you, you know, pulling together, not just, I mean, your, your origin story, your, your disciplines in all these different facets and, you know, gives it interesting perspective. You really highlighted, I think a lot of different elements inside and outside of IT, but how IT can enable these innovations to come, you know, to be in your terms, you know, a a future of healthcare that is seamless, that it's invisible, you know, hopefully, you know, it's gonna, you know, everyone says like, you know, the future of healthcare, it's gonna look like magic, right? All these technologies converging in in, in themselves uh, or or amongst themselves um, could pave the way for, you know, a really interesting, magical, you know, future. but Dan, um, this has been really great. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for you know being on our show. You know, one thing that we always want to do is make sure that if there are people out there that are listening to the show and they'd like to engage with you, what would be a great way to do so? Um, the best way is probably uh, either on something like LinkedIn, where you can uh, find me. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at dnigren. Um, I think those are probably the best methods to reach me. Um, and I'm usually pretty good about getting back to you. Super, super. Dan, thank you so much. And to our listeners out there, again, this is the Pop Health Show. This is for anyone 
that has a strong passion for making other people healthier in this world. Dan, thanks again for being on the show. It was great to have you. This was this was great. Thank you, Anthony. I really appreciate the uh, the invite. It's been my privilege. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks so much, Dan. Thank Take you. care.